Welcome to Empowered Conversations. I'm your host, Susie Petrozzi. This podcast will take you on a journey of personal growth and self-discovery through conversations with special guests that will inspire you to live the life of your dreams. Get ready now for an Empowered Conversation. Welcome to today's episode of Empowered Conversations. My guest today is Emily Cooper. She's worked in community community arts for over 16 years and she brings this genuine warmth and I know this from personal experience which I'll share a little bit after. Um, She brings inclusivity and creativity to her work as a dance teacher and a drum teacher in the areas of mental health, school, corporate and community settings. Emily has a bachelor's degree in contemporary dance from Western Sydney University from which she graduated with the Dean's Medal of Honour. She has studied extensively in New York and Africa. With an early foundation in classical ballet, Emily has completed teacher trainings in nonlinear movement, Bollywood dance, and tribal belly dance and yoga. Just sounds amazing. <laughs> Emily has performed and toured in numerous co- cross-cultural works as well as directing productions for theatres and festivals. Now she lives in Blue Mountains community where she is known for her, her joyful, nourishing community drum and dance classes involving a wonderfully diverse range of ages and abilities. She has also worked in Melbourne, Adelaide, Perth, Bali, Japan and Singapore. Um, Emily, thank you so much for being here, having this conversation with me. Thank you, Susie. It's so lovely to be here. Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. Now, we're not um, we're not strangers to each other. We no. go back quite a few oh. years now. Yes, we do now. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll share a little bit about how I came to meet you, how I came to know you. Um, mm-hmm. So up until COVID, I was running women's retreats up in Blue Mountains and I wanted something to, um, I wanted someone, I was looking for someone to help me um, embody some of the work that I was doing with women, which was all mm-hmm. about personal development and empowerment. And I came across yeah. Emily, you, I came across your mm-hmm. website, read about you, saw some I don't know if there were videos. I think they they were probably at the time. This is going back possibly five, six years ago. And, you know, I really felt resonated with what you were about and when we spoke. And then when you came to the retreats, it was like it really took the retreats to another level. Um, it was like a match made in heaven, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, we always talk about yeah. that. Be- mm. We just had wonderful times, wonderful connections and the work, the beautiful work that you were doing with women's empowerment and things like that just seemed to um, be beautifully complementary with the style of work that I was doing with the drumming and the dancing and through the body, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was what I found fascinating when you came in, it's like you knew where I left off, even the words that you used. And it just blew me away. But I didn't tell you much more about, you know, I didn't, I mean, I gave you some kind of background, but it's like you just went in. And I suppose because you are so intuitive, um, in in tune with your own body, Mm. um, with your own rhythm and the rhythm of Mm. the collective, you just write it, you know what to do with it. Now, I'd love to come back to that. But before I do, I want to go back. I want to go back to um, hearing more about your own journey with dance. Like, how did you start on this journey? Mm, Well, like many young girls, I was just in love with all things 
ballet when I was a child, you know, all things pink and tutus. <laughs> and so I started when I was started dancing and did a ballet. I went to a ballet class when I was about five years old and I absolutely loved it. And I never... I, at that stage, of course, I didn't think, oh, this is going to become an integral part of my journey and ultimately my work when I grow up. No, I at, at that time, it was just purely following an internal impulse of, I love this, moving feels great, I loved music. And, you know, in many ways, I had quite a strict childhood. I came from a very um, strict Christian family and it um, was very controlled what we were sort of um, allowed to do, but ballet class was something that was allowed. Many things weren't allowed. You know, we didn't celebrate Christmas or Easter, um, things like that, but something like the classical arts was something that was allowed. And so for me, this became this place of extraordinary freedom in a life that in many other ways was was quite narrow. Um, but when I went to dance class, it was there was a feeling of... Uh, limitlessness, you know, like the limitlessness of expressiveness of arts, of music and of movement. So, yeah, wow. I just absolutely fell in love and kind of never stopped. <laughs> mm. Has mm. that really, like you, you you say that you have this just internal impulse to keep following that through dance. So has that always stayed with you? Yes and no. So I, for a long time, I just had that quite childlike impulse to to dance and to express. And then I ended up at a very strict ballet school by the time I was in my teenage years. And it was both amazing and very hard because that was the point where I actually started to realise that having a career as a ballet dancer was going to be an extraordinarily difficult thing. Mm. Um, and the classes were amazing, but I did realize that I didn't have the wherewithal to do that. I wasn't actually, I, I, I wasn't good enough. Um, and I didn't have the, uh, discipline and the time required to get there. That's a very hard thing. That was a very hard thing in my life to realize as a young teenager. And I, unfortunately, mm. at that point in time, probably conflated that with my own sense of self-worth and I and it was a very sort of heartbreaking experience when I realized oh this this thing that I love mm. I maybe I can't do it maybe that's not for me and there were all these other people who were just extraordinary extraordinarily gifted dancers and that wasn't who I was um, and then it, it took some time before I, I was able to pull those things apart where, it, until I was able to realise that, yeah, no, the path of a ballet dancer, a professional ballet dancer is, is a really elite path and not everybody can take that path. That doesn't necessarily mean that uh, there was not something in this for me and that was something that I, I actually discovered later I gave I gave dancing up for a period of time a few years mm. and then in my early 20s I happened to come across some African drumming and dancing in my local community that was being done by this amazing artist Apiso Bangura from Guinea in West Africa and it was like the experience of kind of falling in love and it was completely <laughs> different to ballet like almost like the polar opposite you know where ballet is very sort of held and upright and elegant and just gorgeous and the dancers strive for this homogenous aesthetic where, you know, like if you imagine those, that row of swan dancers in Swan Lake, they're all exactly identical to one another. Mm. The West African dance was 
really different. It was very personal in terms of the expression. It was earthy and it was kind of, it, it looked wild to me. I mean, <laughs> later when I studied it, I understood that, oh, it's actually very precise, but in a very different way. way. And I just felt this really profound draw to that and ended up diving very deeply into that particular style of dance. I went to West Africa and studied with some amazing teachers. And that man that I saw at Pisa Bengura became one of my teachers for many, mm. many years, um, as did people, uh, his, his brothers, Mohammed Bangura, Sibo Bangura. I learned and studied from with teachers from Guinea and Senegal and Ghana. And, and I, I feel a lot of love and a lot of gratitude to the West African culture, um, the, the richness of that style of dance. And for me personally, it just reminded me of that that I that this was something that I loved and that nourished me and ignited me and um, yeah kept me kept me alive and and inspired so yeah mm. and this was Emily this was in your early twenties was this throughout your twenties I mean yeah that's right this yeah. was in my early twenties and so once I got back into the West African dance that was when I remembered oh okay dancing is something that I love mm. I ended up at that point going to uni and as you mentioned in your very lovely and generous introduction mm-hmm. <laughs> studied um did a degree in contemporary dance and mm-hmm. uh, and through that you know studied many many different styles of dance within that and and kind of you know the world of dance then opened up from there um it was a fantastic degree really wonderful teachers um gave me lots of opportunities to work with wonderful um, choreographers and to study the history of dance and mm. um, very uh, various different applications for how um, dance can be used. So, mm. Mm. so, so there's the African dance. So the African, yeah, the African way of dancing came in quite early, and then mm-hmm. you went and studied, did the degree in contemporary dance. I'm just curious, yes. how did the African dancing then, like, how did that help you with, with then being able to absorb, learn a lot of these other dances? Yeah, I always kept it going. I always did it, and in fact, at one stage, I sort of organised bring one of my African teachers to the uni and he taught a unit there, which was really, really great. Um, But there's sort of the lively, rhythmical um, earthiness of the West African dance was something that I kept going even throughout my degree and after that. Mm. Um, And I would say the way in which it helped is that it really um, brought me into my body. It, it helped make me strong and fit again. Mm. And it really ignited this love of dance so that when I was at uni and I was studying other styles where I'd had my confidence quite shattered from feeling as though I was never really going to make it as a classical ballet dancer, I just was aware of more ways in which to dance mm. when I was at university and that there were many, actually, in fact, many, many ways in which to be a dancer. And it was this this kind of beautiful full circle moment where we did a unit on ballet when I was at uni Mm -hmm. and I returned to doing ballet classes and had a really positive and gorgeous um, remembering, oh, there's something about this form that is just really special and dear to me, very familiar to me, a wonderful foundation for training for dancers. Um, but by that stage, I was a little bit older too, and I wasn't quite so easily crushed by, um, almost unmeetable standards in terms of, 
um, or unmeetable for me, especially with things like body shape. Mm. The ballet world is is changing, but um, certainly when I was going through, there was an incredible strictness around um, you had to be very, very thin and they were, mm. it, it put a lot, of, a lot of pressure on very, very young women and girls. Mm. Um, I would say quite vulnerable time in their lives and uh, that was difficult, that was very difficult to to be around and very difficult for me personally to cope with. Mm. By the time I was doing ballet at university, I was a bit older and I was a little bit more secure in myself and I understood, ah, you know, uh, when I was in Africa, there were all, all bodies danced, you know, mm. um, how old you were or how thin you were or how tall you were or whatever it was. Um, there was a place for mm. everybody. So I, I kind of, that really carried me through when I went you know, back to uni. Yeah, so. wow. What a what um what a gift to to have us I, I suppose um come across in your life because I if I just think back to the retreats and the workshops that you facilitated, um, as you can imagine and as you know, there were a lot of vulnerable women who yeah. didn't think about doing that, you know, to to get up and dance. But there is something that feels so Mm, one safe and nurturing and warm and just grounding being in in being with you in a room and of course there is the space that's already um, set up for that mm. but it helped every single one of us get into our bodies mm. and it wasn't just you know it wasn't just African I mean we've done drumming with you we've done um, lots of stuff non-linear yeah other things, yeah. Mm, but like, you know, now I just want to open up big and go, why is it so hard for women to connect with their bodies? Just from your experience, having gone through what you've gone through early on mm. and from what, cause you work with so many women and, and kids of such mm-hmm. a young age. Yeah, it's a great question. And I mean, firstly, thank you so much for saying that because for me, that's actually what is very important to me now in my work as a teacher, that sense of um, inclusivity. Mm-hmm. Everyone is welcome, regardless mm-hmm. of age, uh, body shape, ability, and a feeling of um, just warmth and encouragement when it comes to um, dancing or drumming. Um, why that is so hard for us? I I feel like um, culturally we we are quite disempowered disembodied a lot of us kind of sit at computers all day and um kind of operate from the neck up you know we're very busy in our heads we've got lots and lots of things to do and coming back into the body there's just a process that that can happen and then there's also this unrealistic expectation that we often place upon ourselves as adults that we have to be good at something before we've even done it Mm, yep hands (laughs) up for that (laughs) And I think sometimes a slightly more childlike approach, being willing to be curious, being willing to look a little bit silly um, is so helpful when it comes to learning something new. So I do that largely by modelling. I myself am a bit silly when I'm teaching. I am a bit <laughs> childlike. And I do that in an effort to sort of just let everybody know this is a place where we don't take ourselves too seriously. Mm. This is a place where we can make mistakes and it's okay. How else are we going to learn? And ultimately, at the end of the day, it's about having fun together. It's what I do is not about 
how how good you are. It, it, I'm not about training elite dancers or elite mm. drummers. What I'm about is um, us connecting to our bodies, enjoying that, being nourished by that, and then in that process, you know, sharing it with others. And so then connecting with this lovely community of people, you know, it's a beautiful thing to dance with others, to mm. make music with others. Mm. So extraordinary, such a gift that you're providing to your community. Um, I've always said, I wish you were down here. (laughs) Um, Mm. But I I suppose, you know, I I can see, like I can see, I I know on a personal level what it can do when we become embodied through Mm. drumming. Drumming just hits. What what happens with drumming? Like just tell me that. Why does it hit us and take us to that embodied place in a – fairly um can I say quick kind of shortcut way is that yeah is that a good way of explaining it's interesting isn't it I think everyone has a different response to things but that response that you have to drumming is isn't an uncommon one Mm. in in my experience and it's true it's like it just kind of when you know when you feel that bass in your guts and it just makes you "Mm," makes you want to move and um it does it bypasses a lot of those um it, it, it bypasses the, the the brain and just goes straight to the body and, and you mm. kind of feel it in your hips and you feel it in your groove and that's just a wonderful thing, a wonderful thing to feel. But there is also some really amazing research around that, you know, drumming having a very, very positive um, impact upon mental health, reducing de- depression, reducing anxiety, increasing social resilience. Mm. Um, and certainly in my experience I've, I've seen that. I, I was lucky enough um, during COVID um, to get some regular work on the mental health unit at Katoomba Hospital doing drumming and storytelling. And I really had um, a firsthand opportunity to observe just how positive and uplifting um, the effect of the drumming could be. It's just, it's a way of being with others and connecting with others without necessarily having to talk. Mm. Uh, And I really believe that there's an entry point for everybody when it comes to drumming and dancing. Um, but rhythms don't have to be complex to sound good. Um, and two very, very simple rhythms played together can sound so beautiful. You know, and at the hospital we would we would often just sit in the garden mm-hmm. in a little circle and have a little chat and how's everybody going and be in the sunshine and learn a little rhythm, have a tap-tap yeah. and then have another little chat and um it was delightful. It was absolutely beautiful. I met some amazing people there and, yeah, certainly felt the value of um, coming together to, mm. to make music together. So what do you, like in those um, situations, like in, a, in an environment like that mental health unit with younger people, mm. was it young people you were saying or was all it ages. all ages? Yeah. What, like even just from the moment when you start and then to the end of your session, what do you see? Like, what do you see on the faces? What do you see on the body? Not because I'm, I'm suggesting anything, but I'm just like, I'm not implying anything. I just want to know from your personal experience, having been in that, what mm. do you see happen? Um, I, I see a lot of things and I feel a lot of things. Actually, I feel a lot of heartbreak. Um, I feel like when I, 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 don't really separate myself from the people that I'm sitting with. I can feel that there's not a sense of I'm a teacher leading something and here let me show you the way. Mm. I feel like I'm sitting with other human beings who are going through a hard time and I myself have been through a hard time and 
that could be me, you know. Mm. Um, and so really what I'm feeling as I'm sitting with people is um, my my commitment to being kind to mm. them and my my kind of belief in them as, as human beings, my belief in all of us as human beings that if we're given a bit of kindness, mm. if we're given an opportunity to sit together doing a simple activity such as drumming, it doesn't have to be that, it could be painting or gardening or whatever, mm. that there is something inherently inside each of us that that longs to connect and knows how to heal ourselves. And so really all I'm doing is providing the opportunity and the kindness. And in my experience, one little drop of kindness can go so far. It's like it's like magic. It's watching it's like watching one drop hit dry earth and the whole earth just becomes soft and fertile and moist. And a lot of the time all people need is to be spoken to with kindness and compassion and they become very willing and very open and uh Mm. yeah I've had some of the most moving beautiful experiences there that I that I've ever had wow Emily Mm. um I'm really moved I'm I'm kind of choking up Mm. um wow um I'm moved because of what you say you know I'm moved because it really doesn't take much to be with each other yeah and you know I feel that that's where that's what we're all needing right now, but especially feel for those who are, as you say, heartbroken. And this is why I ask because I can I can really feel what some of those people have been through. I have been in those settings, um, not as a um, patient, but, you know, in my role. I don't think mm-hmm. I appreciated what I could contribute back then in my early 20s, mm-hmm. more yeah. so now in my capacity, uh, given what I've been through. Um, you know, my lived experience and yes. just what kindness can offer and how you yes. say one little drop um, without uh, without having to have um, a plan but just being there together, you know, in, yes. in that moment. Yes, and I, I relate to what you say as well because I feel like the way I work now with drumming and dancing is very different to the way I used to work with it in my 20s. So in, and that's good, right? You know, we want to grow Mm. and learn and go on a journey of things. I've been doing it for 16, nearly 17 years now. But when I started, I would say I was very much fueled by passion, Mm -hmm. um, perhaps even a bit of naivety. Um, But now I would say I'm fueled by compassion. Mm. And really, in my early days, I, I, I was really following that line. I mean, I'm smiling at myself as I'm saying it. I'm always feeling <laughs> a little embarrassed, but I'm going to say it. But that I thought that if I followed my dream, if I lived my passion, that somehow everything would work out, you know, almost that idea that the universe would support me because I was courageous enough to live in a way that was deeply true to myself. Mm. And I have compassion actually for that 20 year old I don't think that anymore I just I just think that there's more nuance to it to that mm-hmm. I think that life is harder than that yeah and I do what I do believe is that working in a way that is aligned with our core values mm-hmm. and what gives us a sense of meaning is an exceptionally good thing to do 
Mm. if you can do it. Like I think it's a mark of privilege if you're even in a position to consider doing that. So if we are privileged enough to be able to do work that is meaningful to us, I think that that sense of meaning and purpose can absolutely carry us through very, very challenging times. It's just that now I also understand that there is so much in our lives that is beyond our control, so much that we can't plan for as the current pandemic demonstrates. Mm -hmm. So that's why I would say I'm now fueled by compassion because I believe that sooner or later life does get hard for all of us. And now I'm very interested in when we go through those hard times, what is it we need to come through them stronger, kinder, wiser versions of ourselves? Okay. Um, it's interesting because um, your your experience is really speaking to me and in terms of what I feel I'm going through, mm. um, I can really, like you've just put it so 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 well so beautifully that touches certainly my own experience as a naive passionate young 20 even 30 year old um, to then where I am now but I can say that compassionately about that part of myself that bright shiny young version of ourselves who did all the old work (laughs) for us you know those early foundations and we maybe fell on our face a few times yes (laughs) I see myself standing with my hands on my hips going I'm in charge here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, yes, my I see myself with my fist in the air going, I can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, okay, and, and maybe it's something we need to go through. Maybe that's what gets us to be able to come to that place of compassion and, you know, to come to a place now where we, you know, where you so, um, where, where you're observing, feeling, noticing, and that it's an inner knowing that things are just harder and what is it that we're needing. Um, I'm just, I, I want to know more about that. What are you learning now? What are you intuiting? What are you feeling as we're going through this, through these current times? I don't mean just, um, Emily, you know, the lockdown. I just mean, which is part of what we're going through, of course, mm. but generally as um, as people, as humanity. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that I'm an oracle and I'm really, I've seen people <laughs> take on that mantle and it's not one that I want to. What I can speak to is some ideas that I have found that have worked for me and they're really, really simple ones. Um, like I spoke about um, kindness, I think mm-hmm. is a real touchstone for me. I feel like we it's wonderful if we can surround ourselves with kind people and if we can extend kindness to those that we come in contact with. Mm. I also feel um, developing mature and meaningful ways of processing the challenges that we meet. For me, that's been a big thing and and I think this is often a very personal thing, Mm. learning how to make meaning from things not going the way we hoped or thought they would. And then also I believe that we really benefit from being reminded of all that is beautiful in life. Um, And that for me is what I've come to understand my work is about in Hands, Heart and Feet. It's like I am teaching drumming and dancing, but really what it's about is just an opportunity for people to come together and do something fun 
um, be with good people and in that process be reminded of all that is wonderful in life and all that, that the preciousness of these moments that we have together, being alive, having a human body, sharing this time with each other. And I do it mm-hmm. <laughs> for myself as much as, you know, mm-hmm. like in a sense it's a sort of a service, but I do yeah. it to run remind myself because I do think that's kind of the nature of being human is that we forget and yeah. then we remember and then we forget uh-huh. and then we remember and then we forget and we remember and I've learned to have some compassion towards myself and others around that and we all help each other when we help each other remember um, mm. and that's that's what I'm trying to do in my mm. work. Wow um, yeah it's it's back to simplicity though it's back to the core simplicity, as you say, of why we're here. But it is, we do forget it. We do. Yeah, we like to complicate things, don't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so how does, given what you've just shared, how does your own um, practice in dancing or drumming or anything else, I don't know, anything else support you to um, keep doing these things, to keep reminding yourself yeah. Yeah. Resilience is a big part of it, isn't it? Um, and, and uh, well, I, I will say I <laughs> recently in the last few years adopted two really cute dogs mm-hmm. and every day I go for walks with them and uh, <laughs> they make me laugh and they get me outside and they have me connect to nature and I'm moving my body. And so on a really practical level, I think there are always things that we can kind of um, give ourselves little daily da- daily little tasks to do like that, that that connect us to ourselves. And then in terms of finding um, a deep sense of resilience and a willingness to go forward, for me that then becomes connected to what it is that we really value in life and then from that sense of value um we we can construct meaning otherwise i think the toughness of life be, starts to feel just a little bit cruel or me or yeah meaningless so for me um creativity and mm-hmm. human connection are some of my deepest values i really value those things mm-hmm. and so when i connect to that um I am able to continue going forward because I know that if I create the dance or if I create the rhythm and if I turn up and the people and the, the, the people that come, I know I'm going to love them. I'm going to look at their faces mm. and I'm going to be, ah, oh, what a beautiful face. And then we'll make the rhythm and we'll do the dance. And on the other side of that, um, there will there's always a sense of, for me, there's always a sense of um we did it. We came together. We we sort of drank from the well. We helped one another, and then we're able to go on. So, yeah, I think I think for me, resilience is deeply connected to our own sense of um, values. Mm, that's beautiful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, just hearing you share that takes me. It just takes me uh, takes me deeper within myself and. Um, makes me want to honour my own values because I know that when I do that, I 
am a better person to myself and Mm -hmm. a better person to others. And what you said, which was so beautiful, is that you can see the beauty in others that then come, whether it be in your, you know, everyday kind of, um, you know, crossings or in your classes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very lucky. I, the, in the work that I do, I see people in their most gorgeous state, I believe. Um, when you see people dancing or when you see people making music together, I feel like I often I get glimpses into the most gorgeous version of that person and also probably to acknowledge, um, to be fair, they're a bit vulnerable because they're having to show up and learn. Um, and so for some people, um, for some people, maybe that's not a vulnerable experience. For many people, especially turning up to, say, a dance class for the mm. first time, just takes a bit of courage, you know, and I admire that so much. I respect that so much. And then when you see that person um, learn a step and get a step or learn a step and not get it straight away but then work on it and then get it, mm. it's like you, you see the, the most beautiful flower. It's like watching this flower come out of this person and it's very um, – it's a very uplifting version of the world that I get to live in doing the work that I do. Mm, mm, mm. It is beautiful. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, okay, where to from here, Emily? You've given me so much <laughs> that I just want to be with. Really, there's a real sense of can we just be with that for a moment, you know, that we all have that within us. And, and you know, you, you talk about steps, you talk about dance, rhythm, but this is applicable to anything in life, right? Yes. Yes, I do think so. I mean, it's largely I suppose what I'm speaking about, um, if we put it in scientific terms, is, is neuroplasticity, you know, um, mm. the capacity for our brains uh, to change in response to our behaviour, which is a wonderful thing. Isn't that a beautiful thing mm. that our can change in response to our behaviour? I mean, neuroscientists used to think that the brain stops developing in adolescence. Right. And it's fantastic yeah. to know that you can, in fact, teach an old dog new tricks. You know, it's so exciting, this knowledge that neuroplasticity, you know, it, it means that we can very thoughtfully consider what activities we can do that will contribute to our well-being, no mm. matter what our age. Mm. and. And as you say, that can be anything. So for me, I'm doing that through drumming and dancing. Mm. These are modalities that are are fun and they connect us to others. They're activities that help keep the brain active and engaged and learning. But really anything that gives us a new skill, um, a new thing to do, is going to do that amazing work of, um, you know, the, the the brain's capacity to change, you know, through growth and reorganisation. So mm. we should be celebrating that, that we can, that, you know, we can celebrating our neuroplasticity oh, and yeah. our brain. Our brains are awesome. Yeah. Like we have to acknowledge that. Okay. You know, one yes, of the- go neuroscience. <laughs> discovering such a wonderful thing. It, it's um it's exciting. It is exciting. Yeah. Mm. It's not just the kids that can learn. It's, um, it's us. It's, you know, what's interesting. I want to share something with you, Emily. Mm. And of course our listeners, um, when they tune in, I, I have always naturally had this kind of yeah, rhythm, you know, I could, I could just mm-hmm. kind of tune into the music and get into the groove and I could do it with the I kids. And, but I <laughs> noticed that I don't know what it is that over the past, mm, 
I better be careful, not, not careful, but I just want to consider how I say this over the last five years. I noticed there, there's like, um, I don't know if it's a disconnect, but it's like, oh, mm. how do I, how do I do this again? Hang on. It's not, it's kind of not just grooving. Mm. Um, and it's not because, you know, like I'll dance in the kitchen, I'll dance with my girls. Maybe I don't dance as much as I used to because mm. I used to do dance lessons. Um, so what's that about? And let's let's unpack that a little bit because yeah. I would say that that would be probably common to other women. Um, yeah. yeah. And I'm not, I wouldn't say like, I'm really aware of my body. I move, I walk, I kind of speak, to, you know, I'm, I'm in, in dialogue with my body around what may be going on. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, I don't know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm curious, just how mm. do I be curious about that and how do I help, how do I help that um, if yeah, that's the I right think, word? I think that's really interesting and I think what you said there, how do you be curious about it, that was my initial thought as well. I would become very curious about that. I think when we feel things sometimes um quote unquote going wrong. You know, I had a groove, I've lost my groove. Mm. Um I I it's hard to to feel it as we're going through it, but I actually believe things going wrong are a, an amazing opportunity. Like it just it, it something's happening there. So I think mm. to be curious about what that is is the best approach because we do go through seasons in life, don't we? Um, yeah. In women, as women, we're, our bodies are constantly changing and we're having to navigate hormonal shifts and all sorts of things all the time. But also just in general, there there are often times of great creativity and prosperity and happiness. Mm. And then often there's times of grief and loss and loneliness. And so we're all constantly sort of um, moving through those seasons and they all have their um, beauty, I would say, and their value. It's part of what gives our life shape and context and meaning. Um, so whatever season you're in at the moment, this I'm not sure how you would phrase it, you know. Mm, um, I love that. Groove, mm, you know? mm, I love both, <laughs> I season, groove. I, I love the season, yeah. Yeah, it, it's a wonderful thing. And, I mean, and this is also where dance connects very beautifully to mental health as well, not just the drumming, but when you move, you feel good. Mm. And if you, that, that, that old saying, if you don't use it, you lose it, mm. um, which sounds a little bit, um, I mean, I just think you never lose it. I, I mean, it might, let's say that your, your groove may have departed for a short period of time, but how exciting because now you get to um, get it back, you know. Yeah, um, or explore teach, a new groove. Explore a new groove. Explore a new groove. Mm. Um, and I would be real. What I would do is I wouldn't, um, I'm just put, placing myself in your shoes for a second. Mm. I wouldn't rush into it mm. and I wouldn't necessarily go straight to what you used to do. I would sit with that curiosity and feel uh, feel what, what comes into the space of it because you might want to move in um, a very different way to what you have done previously. And there might be something that you want to, f- to feel or acknowledge before you can get to that place. Mm. Um, I certainly know for myself um, doing a lot of the West African dance in my 20s, which is quite aerobic, quite 
energetic, quite hard hitting, mm. can be quite hard hitting in the body. And I loved that. It was exciting and it was wonderful. But certainly now that I'm in my 40s, I, I don't dance that way anymore. Um, my movement is a lot softer. Um, it's a little bit more understated. It's a little bit more groovy. Um, and I really like letting my body tell me what's happening now with my groove. Mm. you know um and so what I get very curious about personally is um I really pay attention (laughs) this is a really small thing but I don't know it might be helpful I really pay attention to the kinds of songs that just kind of turn me on that light me up and make me want to move and Mm. as soon as I hear a song that I love it sort of gets saved to a playlist and then I go back to it and I just put it on and you know music is like lubrication for the body once there's music there it's like everything just kind of gets lubricated and softened up and you can kind of just mm, start to move and start to feel it and start to wiggle and and yeah so it's it's a it's a lovely thread in Mm. the musical thread let me know if you do that Susie yeah thank you thank you so (laughs) much for unpacking that for me because I also feel that I'm not the only one that's experiencing that and yet what I do feel like feel like is you know, what you said really um, stayed with me is pay attention to that, but don't feel like you need to do anything. Just kind of feel what comes into that, um, Mm. into that space. Um, So thank you. I really, really appreciate you um, walking with me along that, um, you know, sense that I'm having around. Because I think it's, you know, I too am in my 40s, Emily, and Mm. my, my groove is changing and that's a good thing, right? It's My, a good thing. Yeah. It's a change. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't want to be in our 20s forever, do we? Or our 30s. No. There are other young ones coming through doing that. Yes. Um, pave the, you know, I'm happy to pave the way for them, but now this is yeah. something else for us. Um, we're paving way for each other and um, we need to step into that. And that's what I'm yeah. feeling. And I think it is a little countercultural. I think that um, there's this sense of, um, you know, for us as women, often our appearance is very linked to our sense of self-worth. Beauty can be quite idealised. I think that that narrative is changing and I think there's a lot more visibility of really fantastic, strong, older women doing fantastic work in the world. Have you seen that? There's that new... Um, uh, documentary just came out on ABC iView misrepresented. Oh no, I've, I actually came yeah. across that, but tell me, yeah. It's just women in politics talking ah. about their stories and I can highly recommend it. Fantastic right. viewing and, you know, very bipartisan and very interesting and across, um, you know, like contemporary people, people in politics right now, but also mm-hmm. going back to, um, you know, the people that were in politics when I was a kid, you know, like Cheryl Kerno and um, Carmen Lawrence and all of those guys and really yeah, wonderful um, hearing their stories um, mm. and that sort of thing. But anyway, I, di- I, I digress. I feel like as women we have to write our own narratives. We have to kind of carve our own paths through the forest as we enter into this next stage of life and write our own stories. This is this is what it's going to look like now. The adventure, you know, maybe the adventure is just beginning. Mm. You know, those old narratives that kind of, belong to 20s and 30s you know we Mm. they're maybe not going to work for us anymore um 
the falling in love narrative or the whatever, <laughs> whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We now it's like, okay, what's meaningful to me now? And mm. who am I now? And mm. what is my gift now? What do I have to learn? What are my challenges? Mm. I think it's wonderful. Oh, I love that. Even that we, you know, and just continuing this dialogue, continuing the conversations without needing to have the answers, but just being with it, letting yeah. it, letting it be, letting it be, letting the unknown yeah. unfold. Yes. One of the things that um, I did a lot of when I was working on the mental health ward, and I do a lot of this with kids too, actually, um, is storytelling. Mm. So, um, and I work with a lot of, you know, old stories. I don't, I don't make stories up. I, I work with, you know, old fairy tales and things mm. like that. And I, out of sheer curiosity, um, I started to gender flip the fairy tales. <laughs> um, I saw some Shakespeare plays where they did that, you know, all the um, male roles were played by females and vice versa. And it just kind of breathed new life into um, these quite familiar stories and it made them interesting in quite contemporary ways. And so I thought, oh, that's very cool. I'm going to try that with fairy tales. And so um, it's really, really fun. You know, the the role that that men often play in fairy tales um, are the adventurers and the ones kind of going out there, going through the ordeals, you know, mm. um, fighting the monsters, um, winning the girl, taking her back to the king or whatever it is, um, doing a lot of the interesting stuff. And that the role of women is often to be beautiful mm-hmm. or to be the reward. Um, so it became really fascinating to me when um, I flipped the genders and I feel like there's a lot in it for us as women now. Uh, we do go out into the world and we do make our own adventures and we are having to, you know, fight the monsters. <laughs> mm, mm, um, yeah, I'm sure a lot of women will, yeah, definitely feel that in their own lives in so many different ways that that's happened, whether it be through work, through politics, as you've said in the in the show, misrepresented. But you know, mm. as, as mums, as oh, name it, yeah, yes, it's indeed. like we're really being called to to step into this new role, whatever that is, um, for us yeah. women. And I love how you do that. I love how you. Um, change the roles you know it's almost like begs the question what if what if I did that differently what if I did that or didn't do that mm. you know what if I didn't make dinner tonight <laughs> for my family <laughs> <laughs> yeah shake it up a little yeah um see what goes on see what goes on yeah um I love it I've been I'm really enjoying this conversation with you um Emily I know that we're coming to um uh, the end of it and so what I want to ask you is what vision if if there is anything that kind of comes to you because I know for me this too is changing how I'm envisioning things. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, is there something that you're envisioning in your life or in the world in a way that feels strong for you or is it more around, look, for me it's more around, um, like for you, is it more around just doing the things that you have shared about, you know, being kind, being compassionate? Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Um I think if I could hold a vision for the world, um, 
it's <laughs> for me in order for it to feel authentic it has to be about what it is that I'm working with in myself at mm. the moment mm. and um what I what I see when I do my work when I'm in classes is people come in they they try things and um I can see that so often what I observe is that we are our own worst enemies we mm. judge ourselves before we've taken two steps um we get in our way um by undermining ourselves or not thinking that we're good enough or comparing ourselves to others. And I externalize it, but really um, that that's my own journey as well. You know, mm. having the chutzpah to step up and be like, yes, I do have something to give. I do have something to offer. Um, that's what I'm working on in my, in myself always. And what are the most authentic grounded ways in which I can do that? So my vision for the world would be that each person has that in themselves, mm. that um, trust in themselves, that willingness to um, be honest with themselves, and then that chutzpah to have a bit of courage to try and to give and to be generous. Mm. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Um, you're in incredibly gracious, loving, warm. Um, you always bring smile to my face. <laughs> Thank you, Susie. I love always connecting with you and um, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you today and um, hopefully one day on the other side of this pandemic we'll be able to see each other again and do some workshops yes, together. that would be amazing. Thank you, Emily. Thanks for joining me today on Empowered Conversations. Subscribe to the show now and then head over to my Facebook page, Susie Petrozzi, for free personal growth and self-discovery tools that you can use today to be present, be powerful and be on purpose. See you next time for Empowered Conversations. Mm-hmm.